Thank you for listening to another episode of the ABC Music Talk podcast, the podcast for anyone interested in the music industry. Today's guest talks about the relationship artists have with fans, or at least should have. But first, it's time to remind you to go road to your videos. Rota is for artists, managers, labels, or anyone in the music industry who needs to create video content for promotion or monetization. Rota makes it fast, easy, and inexpensive to do all of that in one place. Head to www.abcmusic.co and click the Rota logo on the homepage to access a 10% off discount for the service. Welcome. Founder of Superpass, Juliana Mayer. Hello. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're going to focus on how artists should perhaps rethink how they connect with their fans, because uh, we've had a little chat beforehand. Um, and Superpass is, of course, designed to for, you know to do that. So can we kick off with a little elevator pitch about Superpass? Sure, of course. So Superpass is the all-in-one website and app maker for your content community and paywall. And what that basically means is we can give an artist their own mini Netflix joke Spotify on their own website and their own mobile app within a couple of days. So you can have all of your music there, all of your videos there, all of your blogs there, any other content you're making can all be together in one place on a place that you completely own you keep 100% of any subscriptions or payments that, that you get there. Um, and it's really a beautiful way that you can have a home online to build your community and to to drive that fan engagement. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great way of really sort of having a destination for your fans to find out about everything that's going on. I presumably, um, and we'll, we'll probably learn a bit more about uh, other, other aspects of it, but things like exclusive content or, you know, first access to things. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really it's been interesting to to watch how this reframing of how uh, artists should interact with their fans. I mean, because ultimately, I have this little phrase that that I, that I have on this podcast: the only important things are the the artists uh, and their fans, and and everything else is either getting in the way or enhancing that relationship. And so, Superpass clearly sounds designed to enhance uh, rather than get in the way. Yeah, and I think you, you've you hit the nail on the head there with the the two most important things is the artists and fans. But I think there's actually three most important things. It's the artists, the fans, and the music or the content itself. I think that so often we all get so focused in the music industry on the marketing and driving traction. And we we kind of lose how we can really just be creative and, and focus on that. And so to give you a little bit of background of kind of where where all this came from, it was actually really based around that. So I was an artist running my own label and I was actually frustrated that there wasn't enough focus on the content and the music itself um, because, you know, you'd record an album and then you'd have to go and promote it and then you'd be writing other songs, but you wouldn't get around to recording those until the initial excitement of recording them was kind of, you know, already stale because you'd been out there, you know, promoting all the stuff you already recorded a year ago. So it was really about this drive of, okay, well, if you're writing stuff, how can you, and you know, it's been wonderful actually during lockdown, seeing a lot of artists actually doing this now. It's wonderful. You know, you can write something the same day, you can just record it um, and then just put it out with a unexpected release. And uh, we've obviously seen some big artists doing that. And there's some small artists that have been doing that for a long time. And I think creating an environment where you can really, really focus on the music itself and maybe it's not just the music, maybe it's also the videos you're making, maybe it's the podcast you're making. Obviously, they're massively 
uh, growing now in popularity for you know a lot of artists and also in the music industry people making podcasts um and if you could focus more on who's who's listening or watching that that content and how are you going to get more opportunity to create more that's really what we're about so we join that direct connection and it's it's not just between the artists and their fans because actually we work with all the stakeholders so it would be the artist their management their label the publishers you know that that whole ecosystem i think sometimes people think oh this is you know really kind of separate to that but actually we work with the whole ecosystem of whoever's behind the music so when i talk about the artists actually i'm talking about all of all of those um and creating a place where you can really create a home for those super fans and that's really what this is about you've got a wonderful opportunity through the streaming platforms and through live shows and through social media to grow that audience but then what happens to that top one to ten percent of your most loyal fans those super fans and are those social media platforms really delivering what they need and that's really where we feel it's a bit broken in the market that you know, for example, on Facebook, you've got to pay Facebook to boost your post to actually let more than 10% of your your followers see what you're posting about. So loads of fans miss tour announcements or important announcements because they, it literally hasn't shown up. So that is definitely not catering to the needs of super fans. So what we're doing for artists is creating a space that isn't instead of those activities, it's as well as, but it's not extra work because it's integrated with the whole ecosystem. So it integrates with, you know, it's, it's all the content that's already commercially released. It's it's also a place for putting a bunch of stuff that doesn't actually have a place online at the moment. So, you know, whether it's archives or rare um, bootlegs or, I mean, in, for some for some of our um, artists we work with, their fans actually find bootlegs and, and then send them to them to, to add to the app um, because they're stuff that the, the artist didn't even know existed. You know, it's really, really interesting how um, it's kind of a place where fans and artists can come together to just interact more on the stuff that really matters to them. And um, and so, yes, yeah, so I was saying this, so it, it does integrate with all those different things, but it means that when you've got some new announcement, your fans have, have an app, your app, where they'll get a push notification to say, okay, we've got this really special announcement or here's a new track that I just recorded last night or whatever it is. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that fans actually miss out on those important announcements. So there's tons of different sides to this. Another side is the fact that it's a place where fans can actually have the opportunity to pay directly to the artists. And again, when I say the artists, I mean the whole artist ecosystem, the label, the management, publishers, everyone. But that it's not going through a third party platform like a Spotify or um, Apple or or, or wherever else. It actually means that 100% of any revenue that is earned on that website and app goes directly to the rights holders. So as Superpass, we don't take any cut. So we kind of started um, in the industry. Um, a lot of people may remember we were the fair trade streaming app because it was all about how do we actually just pay as much as possible to the rights holders. Um, and that's kind of where we started. But it has massively evolved since then. So um, if anyone hasn't sort of kept up with what Superpass has been up to, I guess it's a good 
opportunity to kind of fill in that gap shall shall i shall i go into that a little bit yeah absolutely please yeah i'm I'm, you know this is this is really fantastic i'm gonna scrap all of my questions uh and 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 we're just gonna go into all of the things that you just talked about because it's super interesting but yeah carry on okay cool so um yeah so i guess what so where we started was very much that kind of subscription streaming space where it was owned directly by the rights holders. And this was 10 years ago. So this is the days before Patreon. This is the days when Spotify had only just launched in the US. This is when Netflix had only just started their subscription streaming. They were obviously doing the DVDs before that point, but they'd only just started their subscription streaming. So this idea of uh, subscriptions for streaming content was very, very new. And we thought, Right, brilliant. This is this is a great opportunity. But instead of just having these big platforms have, you know, then aggregate all the the content, aggregate all the money, and then distribute it, and um, and actually, it's really topical now with the, all the discussion around art, art, artist centric streaming, yeah. um, artist centric subscriptions. But that's basically what we were doing ten years ago. We thought, great, let's have a way to also let fans pay directly to the artist and if they just want to listen to that artist in that month then then great they can do it for a quid you know they don't even have to be paying 10 quid so it was a way that um you could really join join up those dots so that's kind of where we started and the idea was that as you know so as i say you know now we've got to the point it's 100 percent revenue that goes to, to to whoever owns the the, the website and the app so, so what's your what's and, your business model then how do, how do you make money so, so we are actually a SaaS model, so for the so software as a service, and we just charge a monthly fee for the tech. So the same way as if you have a Squarespace site, for example, you'll just pay Squarespace twenty quid a month. It's that same kind of model. So basically, you're paying us for the tech, and then anything you do on it is completely yours. So it's all your branding, it's all your content, it's all your licensing, it's all your uh, sales, um, it's your customer data. Everything is hundred percent owned by you. And we basically get out the way. We say, what we do really well is give you your own Spotify or, or Netflix platform where you can do anything you want. And we make sure we keep that up to date and uh, we're adding new features all the time. And we take care of all of that technology pain. Because, you know, for a lot of people that would love to have their own platform like that, they just can't because it's too expensive. And it's too complicated. And even if you think you can build it up front, you then got to maintain it. And we've even seen... You know, the, the big labels like when Universal did the uh, collaboration with Classic FM to do the classical app. And we've seen lo- loads of um, rights holders over the years try to do the tech and the tech is really hard. And every time that's failed. And what we've said is, OK, we specialize in the tech. We will do that. We mean that you could have, you know, I mean, if, if, if a label wanted to literally have their own <laughs> equivalent of Spotify, they could have that with us within a week. They could literally launch that. Um you know, for for their content, obviously, if you're licensing, you know, if they're licensing other content, that's where it gets complicated and that's where it slows down. But technology wise, there's nothing standing in the way of, I mean, we have literally got apps live within 24 hours. Um, so we did a, so we, we actually work with a lot of conferences now and events. So another thing quite relevant to the music industry, loads of really, really cool conferences that have either got, well, that are online now, but even after things start to be in person again, you know, every everything gets filmed now and there'll be a, a sector of the audience that will probably always be virtual online now even in face-to-face conferences Um, and what we do is if you've got a conference where you've got tons of recordings from it we actually can give you um, your own mini Netflix to have all the watch again recordings uh, which is great for people that maybe didn't get to see all the 
um, it, it, you know, sessions at the event. Maybe they miss something, or maybe they just want to see it again. So it's a little bit like uh, so, Apple had that Apple festivals thing, and that, and it was obviously one way yeah. of sort of getting content onto their Apple TVs that they just launched. That, but but it was fantastic. You know, I mean, I was lucky enough to go and see a few of the things at the Roundhouse in real life. But of course, I didn't get to see everything. But I was able to tune in and, and watch, you know, some of the incredible artists that they they had on the lineup. So I, it's something similar to that, I guess. Yeah, so you could do it exactly. So you could also do it with with festivals and shows and you know anything like that. It's a way to very very easily put all that. Arc- I mean, for example, like Glastonbury would be a great example. Imagine a Glastonbury app where you could have all of the footage from Glastonbury on there from all the different years. You know, we could provide that for them really easily out the box. Um, and yeah, so coming back to the conference stuff. So Glastonbury, um, if you're listening, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah or, or any conference. I, I got mean, Juliana's frankly, details. Festival. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, it's, we've made it so easy. So, so as an example, we did, um, we've done the the Watch Again app for Podfest, which is um, basically they got they got Guinness World Record for the most podcasters to attend a virtual event, and we did the app for their conference, and we've actually done f- uh, four of their conferences now, and there's another one that we're doing for them in May, and. For them, they had so they've got over a thousand video sessions in the app now. And the first conference we did for them, um, the conference finished on the Friday. There was about 500 sessions. We started uploading it on the Monday morning, and by 2 p.m., we'd uploaded all 500 videos and submitted the build to the app stores. So we literally made their entire app for 500 videos within a day so it's possible to do it that quick I mean most of the time it takes longer just because um, people aren't that organized with the content we obviously you know we had everything we needed at nine in the morning so we could just bang it out but um, we can make it really really easy and quick Um, and then of course that's content that they can then sell on beyond the event they can then sell it on to others that maybe didn't come to the event Um, and now they're able to then curate it they've obviously now got um, content over so many different events and because in the apps you can curate it very much like Netflix or Spotify. So they can then curate it, not just into what sessions were on what day or what track. They can then say, okay, so these are all the videos about how to turn your podcast into a YouTube channel. Here are all the videos about what microphones to buy. And, and you know, they then people can actually come in and go, okay, I just want to watch all the stuff about microphones. So then they can pay a, a one-time purchase just to have access then to all those videos. So it's actually repurposing your conference content or event or you know and this is also the same for coaches business coaches who are doing um you know either one-to-one uh, teaching or um group workshops and things so is, is, is your business one of the ones that's done quite well out, out of the pandemic i mean have you seen a, a an uptick in all the or perhaps a bigger variety of people using your your platform yeah, it's been really, really busy. So we, so during the pandemic, uh, the first couple of lockdowns, we helped, uh, we helped creators and entrepreneurs increase their revenue twelve hundred percent. Wow! Um, through what we're doing, and and we saw we saw a few trends. So we saw that firstly, um, our existing clients started using it all a lot more, started driving a lot more engagement and doing a lot more with it because before they probably had other parts of their business that wasn't just about digital content that they were focused on, and suddenly they were like, okay, right now. Now, what, what can we do? And this was a really great opportunity for them to really drive that traction. So we saw that. We saw others who had sort of been meaning to do it for a long time. You know, they came to us and said, this has been on our to-do list for a while, but it just was never top of the list. We just never got around to it. And so suddenly it became their top priority. And then we had others that were literally just, you know, just finding new ways to either transition online or start a new business or, you know, a lot of people that had lost their jobs and had all these incredible skills and then wanted to, um, you know, find other ways to 
<laughs> to earn a living. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the other massive growth area, the, the, there's been two, the biggest two growth areas that we've seen other than the events that we talked about, the event recordings, is uh, anybody's an expert. So, so er everyone is an expert in what they do. And a lot of people suddenly thought, I've got all these skills, like especially like in the film industry and stuff like that, you know, suddenly people didn't have work but they have all these skills. So people are like, okay, I'm going to make courses on what I know and then actually sell those courses. So we had a lot of people coming to us to um, work out how to actually turn their skills into a business. Um, and then the other massive growth area has been podcasting. So um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And um, in March alone, like, I, like, I think we, we grew by like 50% in March and most of that was podcasters. So it's a massive growth area for us, but it's not just podcasters. It's podcasters that are making other content. So they'll be making video courses. They'll be making blogs. They'll be, um, some of them are musicians that also have music content. It, you know, it's all kinds of things. And basically they want to have a way to make money from their content. They want to have a way to have every, all their content content in one place instead of really fragmented everywhere and also they want to create a community that they own that isn't a Facebook group or you know something that's on another platform and maybe charge a subscription or add a paywall um so so yeah that's really been the kind of the trends that we've been seeing amazing oh, wow okay uh that, <laughs> that, it, it, it sounds absolutely incredible and i'm so pleased that things have gone well for you um you know and 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 i just wish it was under different circumstances of course because obviously it's been terrible for everyone but what i was going to say was that what you've actually done though is you've helped lots of other people establish yeah. a, a, a new revenue stream or perhaps even a new business and and that's yeah that's a, that's a really good thing to have out there in the world so well done you thank you for doing that uh okay so where to begin so um i think it'd be good to talk about the the problems that the social platforms give to artists uh you know i know this myself from running a podcast obviously i work with artists um, my listeners know I, I do other things work with record companies and, um, and work on projects and yeah, trying to trying to get get your message, disseminate your message out to your fans using some of those the, those social platforms is honestly really hard because the way the algorithms just bury what you're doing, like you can't tell them all at the same time or in the right way. And so, the, I mean, it really does sound like if you can do exactly what you describe, which is channel them through to a place which is well their channel, then uh, you have a much better chance of actually doing it. And the push notifications is really interesting because. That's the sort of thing that, you know, is it, some people have a bit of a love-hate with push notifications can be good sometimes, but sometimes a bit annoying. But I guess in your case, it's not like a, a news push notification that's going to ping every 15 minutes because something happens in the world. It is only going to be about something that people are actually in interested in. Do you, I mean, do you have any sort of like stats on the, like how effective that is or anything that you can comment on? I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, so I, I mean, push, not push notifications is a massive reason why having an app is so valuable um so you know i guess i guess the holy grail of marketing is get their email address and it's incredible how many creators we work with that have never started building an email list um and it, i think it goes in waves you sort of see that obviously it used to be the thing that everyone did and then with the rise of social media people you know people a lot of the time the emphasis wasn't on building the email list. And I think that trend is now changing. I think people are really seeing the value of building those email lists, particularly as different social platforms go in trends. So, you know, I mean, if, you know, talking in the music industry, I guess it's really relevant to still bring up MySpace. You know, we all put so much effort. Yeah. I mean, you laugh, everyone it's, laughs when I mention it, but yeah. it's a really important use case, you sure. know, 
everyone put in so much time and energy into MySpace. And actually, so back in my previous life, um, so we were like one of the first DIY That's bands right, back yeah. in the 90s. And we had a website and we recorded our own album and we did all this stuff, you know, before people had door and, you know, we were doing it on a multi-tracker. <laughs> like, so we, we've always been quite entrepreneurial and quite techie. And so we had a really cool website uh, that was our own website for our band. And then MySpace came along and everyone, you know, and then promoters were like, what's your MySpace? I was like, why are you asking for our MySpace? Like, here's our cool website. Look how it's got things that jump around the screen. I mean, how cool is that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, back in the day, things like that were cool. Um, And you know, and the fact that then everything moved to MySpace was was kind of weird. But then you, you sort of said, okay, well, let's embrace this. So then we all put in probably thousands of hours into building up that MySpace audience. And then it was out of fashion. Like nobody wanted to be on MySpace. Everyone was on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or, where, you know, wherever things moved to. And now we're seeing that people are moving away from Facebook. Facebook's not so cool anymore. A lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm not really on Facebook. Um, so that's then becoming a problem. Your audience is really split. And then TikTok's come along and everyone's like, oh, brilliant. I can grow my audience here. And so then people are jumping onto TikTok. But, but like TikTok, um, and TikTok's got- really specific. Like it's, it's a very specific type of thing, you know, and it's a world away from what Facebook is right and and this is this and, is and another the same thing snapchat yeah yeah you can't control like how snapchat you, was yeah. the same yeah yeah exactly and you know now we've got clubhouse as well like everyone's jumping on clubhouse and it's the next big <laughs> well, thing and until it gets bored the, or gets like beaten by something else right and then you've lost your audience yeah, again yeah. yeah and and i think the the take home from all of this and the lesson to learn from all of this is that these platforms are amazing for growing your audience finding new audiences and, and for that kind of top of the funnel marketing and everyone should use them for that. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to build your home there. You don't want to build your home on rented land. You want that to be on your own platform where you do have the email address, you know who those fans are and you have a way to contact them no matter what big platform is in vogue at that particular time. So use those platforms, ride those waves, be at the, you know, the crest of that curve, be ahead of the wave but always send those fans that are your super fans that are the most engaged, send them somewhere that's yours. And that's really where we fit into the model. So we're not doing anything that gives you extra work or is in addition to, it's really, it's really just kind of closing the loop. It's saying you're doing all the hard work now, like reap the benefits, you know, bring those people here to this place where you're going to have all the content you're already making. At at the beginning, you mentioned exclusive content. And I think that's a really interesting question because in the music industry, people always ask me about, oh, so this is about exclusive content. And actually my, my first answer is no, it's not. Of course, if you want to put exclusive content on there, it's got the functionality for that, but that's not what this is about. This is about where you put everything you're already doing. You're already doing all that hard work, put it all here so that those super fans have somewhere to really come where they know they'll find everything in one place that you're not sending them on a really fragmented journey. They'll know they'll be the first to hear about something because they're going to get that push notification, coming back to your original question about push notifications. So there you're really grabbing their attention. You've got their email address, but you're not dependent on email open rates, which whilst there is still a direct way to contact people, it's still not ideal because they're obviously low. Push notifications is a much higher engagement rate. So you've got that opportunity to really get in front of the people that really matter at the right time when it matters to them and to you. And then you can bring straight people straight into the place that's yours. And you've got comments there so those fans can then talk to each other, which is the other thing that I think often 
in a lot of the conversations I have in in music, people forget that actually, like fans are setting up fa- like their own fan clubs to talk to each other away from you know Twitter or other social media platforms to find each other because those platforms are too noisy, and actually. But, you know, why not create that for yourself on your own website? So there's all these different tools that you can use for that. But then that's separate to the music and that's separate to your, you know, everything ends up being fragmented again. So instead, have all of that on your own website, including all your content and including the stuff that's on Spotify or Apple Music or any of the other places. And it's not another thing that comes up. Sorry, as you can tell, there's like loads of different dialogues that happen around this. Um, But another thing that comes up is this question of cannibalization. Oh, but if I'm going to put all my super fans on my own website, then that means that I'm not going to have those plays counting towards the charts on Spotify. And, and, you know, I guess if if the chart is the most important thing to you, then, then yeah, okay, that's a valid point. But for 99% or probably even 99.99% of artists that actually doesn't matter what's much more valuable to them is the relationship with those fans that are going to buy their tour tickets buy their merch uh, engage with what they're doing be involved with you know all of and spread the word to their friends you know they're, they're your kind of army on the ground all those things are much 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 more important to the majority of artists so does it really matter if you're not if you're gonna have some of them streaming the stuff on your own website because actually what you're giving them is an amazing experience and actually what we see in the behavior of a lot of the super fans that for artists that have um, a super pass powered website or app is actually they're still doing a lot of their streaming in spotify or i was, was going to say you know, the, the, the thing is because that's where they're listening to it, yeah all the well other this music. is it yeah they're coming here for a different purpose the fact that you've got all the content here is a bonus and a benefit and it just makes things convenient, but it doesn't change that behavior because they're still going to listen in those other places. What it means is that they can come and if they're listening to the music, they can also read, you know, the the lyrics and not just the lyrics, but the story behind the lyrics, where it was written, why it was written, all that stuff that often, you know, who was the producer, all that stuff that often gets left off or or isn't part of the experience that your casual listener even looks for. They can find all that here and then they can talk to each other about it and they can say, oh man, I saw this, you know, this song being performed at this place and, and other ones go, oh yeah, I was there too. Um, and then you'll have fans saying, hey, did you know that there's this other recording over here from when the artist was 16 that the artist doesn't even know about? Then the artist chips in and goes, wow, I didn't even remember that that existed. And then some fan ch- goes up with some story that the artist had forgotten even ever happened because actually the fans know about the artist's life more than the artist in some of these I mean obviously take that with a pinch of salt but we have seen stories like that come up where the artist is literally like oh man I didn't even know that and the fans I mean it's like George R.R. Martin from Game of Thrones like he actually has um, a bunch of super fans that he literally calls because he doesn't remember like what color eyes this character had in book two so he literally calls up those super fans and says you know if he's asking for details about a character he'll ask the super fan because the super fan will know and he doesn't remember so I mean that's a non-music example but there's obviously examples we can all relate yeah, to I mean, it's it's really interesting this sort of dynamic between um not ignoring the other platforms that are out there because we all know that as you said earlier they fill the top of the funnel you know that a lot of the work that, that i'll do with with artists uh, with the record company is focused on getting the the algorithms within services like spotify or apple to help filter up into the editorial playlisting that, that goes on because they're looking at numbers they're looking at what's popular on the platform right i mean it, that, that's their business and so you it's just these are all things that have just got to kind of like move in tandem and actually the cannibalization thing is a really interesting one because i you know it 
to me, it always uh, it always fascinates me the way people uh, sort of really focus on that. But it's a bit like saying, well, I'm only then going to put my music on Spotify because because Apple Music will cannibalize Spotify. It's like that's that makes no sense. It's the, it's the tail wagging the dog, basically. It's sort of avoiding this massive opportunity to actually make some real money because you're so worried about losing this slight advantage you have in the race against everyone else on a platform where actually no one's really looking after you. So I guess it just depends on your priorities. As I say, you know, for for, for those artists that it, it's really about that chart position and that's the only thing that matters to them, then, then I think it's a fair argument. But for everyone else, which is, as I say, like, you know 99.9999 artists then they're missing this huge opportunity to actually take control of that relationship that data that 100 percent revenue share you know all of those things that actually at the end of the day matter more just on, with, with the charts have you ever spoken to the occ about we haven't yeah. yeah so we, we haven't um we actually were um at one point we we, we almost got set up with them um but then actually just we kind of moved in a different direction with stuff, but it's something that we've, I mean, we could easily do. Um, so, you know, if it was important, the, the, when I talk about charts, I'm not actually talking about, um, I'm more talking about like the, the, the rankings within Spotify to get the up the playlist and stuff. Yeah. So I'm talking like the, the stats within Spotify directly, but in terms of charts, yeah, I mean, that's easy for us to add. Um, and as I say, just never ended up being a priority because frankly, the artists we've worked with, that's never been that important to them. So, um, so some of the artists that we work with, um, actually have quite a lot of archive stuff. So this is another really interesting kind of way of using this. So, I mean, I guess it's similar to like the Neil Young app, um, which, um, some people are familiar with where it, it, I mean, basically if anyone wants their own Neil Young app, that's what we do. So with the Neil Young app, you, you know, you pay four pound a month or, or three pound. I can't remember exactly how much it is, but it's a micro subscription to access all his content. Um, and, um, yeah, and that's, that's, that's pretty much it. And with this, we've, we've got a number of different kind of archival, musicians where you know there'll be the estate and so like Woody Shaw is an example so he's one of the jazz greats um and he's unfortunately no longer with us but we've got his in this incredible archive of not just his commercial recordings but there's hundreds of recordings of him jamming with other jazz artists that have never been released so his estate approached us and said look we really want to put this somewhere but we don't want to devalue it we don't want to just put it on the you know the everything streaming platforms we want to put it something really somewhere really special where it's going to be really valued by those fans that, that really care about this stuff um so basically we've made them an app where you can go and listen to hundreds of woody shaw recordings um, and there's not there's nothing else in there there's no fan club there's no anything else it's really just the pure content but it's content that it's it's its own space where it can really be valued which i think is another really interesting example and there's tons of um, there's tons of content that is just basically sitting there in the archives within record labels and some of it not even in the record labels that is is kind of being lost and this is a way to actually bring that to life and we're seeing quite a lot of uh, clients coming to us with that kind of uh, requirement. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I, I was, I, it was really interesting hearing you talk um, earlier on about how the relationship between the, the fan and the artist can develop through the sort of vested interest that both that both have in actually what's being created within your 
within your within your software within your service you know obviously the artist is looking at it as a way of collating and curating and communicating and other words beginning with c uh you know the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> all of their output their personality uh you know to their fans but the fans are using it as their own sort of repository of a fan memorabilia i suppose as much as like everything else that's going on i just i thought that was a really interesting thing so and um, so within within the platform they can actually have that direct dialogue there's messaging and things like that yeah so there's comments around every single piece of content and again that's optional for some for some um you know some creators they want to turn that off but basically around any track any video any blog post you can have comments and conversations around what's happening there um and um a really nice example is um so Imogen Heap is is one of the artists working with us and all through the lockdowns she's been doing live streams every Tuesday and Thursday so um one of the days was she'd basically do covers on request and she'd basically raise like people would make a donation and then she'd do a cover of their choice um, and all of that money um, has gone to fund the creative passport um, which um, I guess a lot of people have hopefully heard of but well, it's all about I, I am <laughs> trying to get Carlotta onto the show uh, oh you totally yeah you no she's to. amazing I've, I've, I've done a, 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 a pre-chat with her but she 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 was just about to launch uh Creative passport uh, properly, so cool. uh, she, she got a little busy, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely Excellent. well. Future. I'll, I'll save talking about that for when when she's yeah, on. Okay, there, she'll yeah. do a much better wow. job. But um, it's a really really amazing initiative. Is, yeah. Um, and yeah, so so so. Imogen was doing a, a live stream for that, and then she was doing another live stream where she'd do Q and A, and it's a um, I think she's doing in uh, collaboration with IBM Watson. That's right. They're basically yeah. built an AI Imogen um, <laughs> to answer the questions the way Imogen would answer but through AI which is really really cool um and so she was doing these live streams every Tuesday and Thursday and she'd also do these live improvisations as well and so with these live improvisations she'd do like eight hours of just creating music on a live stream and and you know her fans would be watching and she'd do some of that broadcast through restream to all the social media platforms and some of that would just be within the app to her her super her her heapsters which are her super fans within her superpass app and um and then what she then did was she then took all those recordings so there's you know eight hours times however many weeks which is a lot of time and she asked the fans to go through them and decide which timestamps were bits that they really loved. So instead of her having to go back and listen to which bits to then, you know, turn into an album, she had them going through and doing that. And then we had these like just live chat sessions where um, they would then, you know, would basically just do it in a Google sheet where they would then write which timestamps they thought were good and then chat through some of them. So she was basically like crowdsourcing her super fans getting them involved to actually be really really be part of the creative process um and to know which fans to invite to do that super party enabled her to to really find those heapsters and have a place because like with image she's got what two million twitter followers she's got this huge audience where she said that she preferred the days when you know she had a youtube channel with a much smaller audience because then she, she'd know her her fans she'd know who they were and she felt much more connected to them and then when her um, you know, her audience became so big, she actually said that she kind of lost touch with feeling connected with them because because they were, it was just too big and social media is too big. And when people, you know, you post a tweet and everybody replies, it's really hard to see who's just passing through, who's coming back, who's, 
you know, just discovered her for the first time or who's been a fan since day zero. And with her Superpass app, she's been able to really know, okay, these are her heapsters, you know, so she's got like 2 million Twitter followers, but only a few hundred heapsters, but that's the perfect number for her. That's So she knows all, you know, all of those several hundred heapsters love her. They're willing to pay money to her every single month, even in the couple of years where she wasn't even doing anything with her app. They were still paying every single month. Um, and a lot of them, so there's pay what you want. So a lot of them are choosing, so it was um, two pounds um, or two, two quid for um, a month. And loads of the fans chose to pay more so some fans were even paying 10 or 20 bucks a month to subscribe to something that only cost two bucks a month just because they wanted to support her um and i think that just really shows how there's an opportunity to let your fans well, th- support th- this, you you know if you this is another interesting point sorry to interrupt you um just because uh, you sort of talked about this before about you know obviously the select committee stuff that happened in the uk with the broken record focus on like where's the money going like how's the pie being sliced up and you've been very clear about how yours you know works uh, in terms of its uh, SaaS model and you're, you're paying for the the software um, and then you get to keep all of your all of your revenue and one of the problems with streaming is for super fans if you are a fan of of somebody you can almost only give a certain amount of money to them through that that model of yeah. 9.99 a month for all you can eat and so I love yeah. I love the fact that someone like Imogen has found that fans genuinely are fans and they want to, you know, help support her. You know, they, they see that as, you know, they, they understand, right? You know, you've got to make a living, right? She's doing all this yeah. incredible creative stuff. I mean, outside of all the other businesses and uh, entrepreneurial stuff that she does. But, um, you know, what, what great proof of pudding, right? Fantastic. Love it. Yeah, and, and fans just want, like, if you think about what, what really motivates a fan, particularly a super fan, they just want more of their favorite music like we we all love music for a reason it's because it makes us feel amazing and it's kind of the soundtrack to all those life events and those experiences and if there's an artist that you really love that the worst thing is when they just don't release anything for years and years and years and if and sometimes that's for reasons outside of you know there's all kinds of reasons but quite often it's because they're literally touring to promote to pay off you know to, to kind of bring in the money back from all that investment that went into the previous work whereas actually if you just say well actually this is about creating amazing music and here's this incredibly engaged audience that love it enough to pay enough to keep those wheels going why not just join all those dots and then you can just be creating the whole time giving them more of what they want the whole time and they're funding it so I guess every artist, like as many different artists you'll have, you'll have as many different like motives and objectives of, of why they're doing it. But I think for a lot of us artists, it is about creativity. I know certainly when I was in the past still able to to spend time making music, for me, it was always about creating. That's why I love it, whether it was the energy in a jam session or writing a song in the morning and, and pushing it out, you know, recording it and pushing it out for... Um, to, to everyone in the evening you know that was those were the best days when you just like created something and shared it immediately um and just could be completely immersed in that environment and i think we've seen it this year with also it's 2020 now with taylor swift you know suddenly she didn't have to be out there touring she didn't have to be doing all the other things that take us away from creativity and she just got back to writing songs recording them amazing collaborations with some of my most favorite musicians in the world and making incredible incredible art and sometimes the cogs and wheels that we put around promotion actually get in the way of us making the thing that matters which is the music at the core of all of this it's the music and secondary is who's listening to the music who 
Who's that connecting with? And why does it matter to them? And letting them create more of that, it's the perfect wheel, isn't it? That like, it almost can be that simple. You don't need any of the other stuff in a perfect world. Yeah, I, I, I had a uh, an artist friend of mine on, on the podcast very early on, and, and I've, I've told this story a few times, so apologies to my listeners, but um, it's relevant here. I asked him at one point during the interview, I said, so, you know, what do you have to do when you put a record out? Because he was an independent artist, he's got his own label, and he just listed, and it, the list just kept going. I mean, it was just endless, you know, all the different social mm-hmm. platforms. And this is outside mm-hmm. of actually making the music itself. I mean, it mm-hmm. is, it's really yeah. tough for artists right now. So I kind of, so with your platform, and, and, and apologies, I don't know so much about it, but do, do you have that sort of interconnectivity with some of the other social platforms and things like that? I mean, how, you know, when somebody sort of uses it as their focal point for their output, how does it connect elsewhere? So it, it, it depends. Um, one of the types of content that we're really integrated with is actually podcasts so with a podcast you know you'll have your podcast host and that will distribute it to spotify and apple Podcasts and all those other places and that will actually automatically pull it in to your own website and an app that we're powering so you're not having to think about okay i've also got to upload this to my website it's just automatically there and it's got all the show notes and everything else you're doing it's all there and actually for a podcast if they created a, a new um, account with us they literally come and it says are you a podcaster they type in the name of their podcast it automatically makes their podcast app and it builds the you know the 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 website landing page as well. And so literally within 10 minutes, they can have their own beautiful podcast website and mobile apps. Then obviously to add all their other content, whether that's videos or blogs or any of the others, actually with blogs, they also can just pull it in through the RSS. And that obviously takes a bit more time. With music, it's a bit more complicated because it all depends on where's the music coming from, who owns the rights, you know, that does always make it a bit more complicated. So it just depends, you know, if it's um, an independent artist that doesn't have any of those issues, it's it can be as simple as that. If it's a label that's doing it and, you know, owns all the rights, um, obviously there's the publishing there too. But yeah, if if, if it's um, a right, rights holder that owns the app that has all the rights, then it, it can be really simple. Um, otherwise, if there's the licensing questions around, um, you know, for, for everyone else, then quite often we see that actually they just leave that content out that is the kind of complicated licensing content and they put all the other content that they're making that, that, you know, even if it's just chatting on a Zoom chat with some fans, you know, I mean, there's so much, like content means so many different things now and it's not actually just about the actual commercial recordings. It might be just jamming in the studio or doing some, you know, a little cover, Chris Martin doing a little cover on a live chat with someone, do you know what I mean? Like we're all making content all the time. So Give, making it easy for fans to find all that together is 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 I think the key. Wonderful, yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, this is this has been absolutely fascinating. I, I really do appreciate you, you doing all this. So I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about you, if that's all right. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested in in in, in, in you because you you've created this business for for other people, and it's clearly having such a profound impact on their 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 own sort of ability to to do what they want to do with their lives did you have any mentors that you can kind of really sort of think back to that that helped you sort of arrive at some of these decisions about how this was going to all turn out or i mean was there any influences that you had in your life Uh, oh oh my gosh yes absolutely so i'm really really lucky that we have the most incredible advisors and mentors and supporters all the way through the the super journey so um 
oh, there's so 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 many examples. Uh, I'm tr- just trying to think where to start. Um, so Jeremy Silver, um, so he was actually our chairman for a while. He's now CEO of Catapult, the, um, the government's. Well, he was CEO of Digital Catapult, the government's digital program. Now he's CEO of Catapult, which is across all the different industries. Um, but he, he, in the past, he used to be um, CEO of Sibelius um, until that sold to Avid. He was obviously at EMI. He, I mean, he's he's he was involved with Shazam and Music Metric before that. Sold so to I, Apple. I, I, I know from Music Metric days. Yeah, that was a, that was a hell of a yeah. hell of an exit to Apple. That was. So he's in, he's incredible. So he was our chairman for a number of years until he became CEO of Digital Catapult, um, and he's still a, an investor and advisor to the business. And we have Clive Gardner is our chairman. So he used to be um, MD of BMG um, in Malaysia, and he's he a was great friend of mine. Uh, we seven great oh, friend of mine. Oh my you? goodness, yeah, one, one of the Absolute nicest people person. in the music industry. Absolutely, yeah, I, yeah. He, he's. He, I mean, we're so lucky. So Clive got involved really, really early on when we were just bootstrapping. Um, and as I say, he's he's um, our chairman now, and he's been involved all the way through he's currently um head of digital at um nspcc so um so he's you know very much involved in the charity sector now but he's done loads of stuff in music and tech and all kinds of areas so in- incredible having him involved um and also to hear Bashir at Sheridan's he was actually the very very first person that I went to with the idea for Superpass um and I remember he said I was kind of like so what do you think? You know, should should we go and should, should I do it? And he said he he thought it was great and he liked it so much that he basically wants to be an advisor. So he's been an advisor literally from You're day one. Very lucky with that one as go. well. So he is incredible. Yeah. yeah, well done. This is a yeah. great, this is like yeah. being sort of he, the A team. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and 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 another person who I definitely want to mention is Michelle Emerson, who um, so she was um, SVP at EMI for like twenty years. Um, she was a, uh, on a group director for BBC Worldwide, group director for ASOS. She was CEO of Walpole, the British luxury brand's trade body. Um, so she's done, again, tons and tons of different stuff. She's she's had been very involved um, and um, worked in the business, and now she's an advisor investor, um, a bit more outside of it, but she's been involved at all kinds of levels. And, yeah, like, it's just wonderful having... And lots of other people that I hope nobody minds that I haven't mentioned you if you're listening because um, there's just, <laughs> just been people all the way along yeah. that have helped us and, and often just for free as well. Like people have just wanted to, like they've really seen that this is an important thing for the industry, for creators, for artists, for fans that shouldn't exist and they've really wanted to help create that and make that possible and loads of the introductions that have come and places that the Superpass journey has gone has been down to people hearing about it and saying, oh my gosh, I've got to introduce you to this person over here. And when I started the business, I really, really didn't know anyone in the industry. Um, I'd been working very much in the independent part of the industry. Um, I'd been touring for a long time. I'd been doing a lot of that kind of circuit, but in the kind of the mainstream industry, I really didn't know anyone. Um, And it all just started from that idea and talking to people about it. And it just grew and grew. Um, And we've worked with, you know, many of the biggest companies in the world in in music. Um, And obviously now in many other spaces. So podcasting is our absolutely biggest space now, but we also work with e-learning, health and wellbeing, conferences, events, membership organizations, um, chamber of commerce, councils, universities, all kinds of different businesses that basically have content and want to put it somewhere that they own, where they can have a user experience that 
looks and feels like Netflix or Spotify or the social media platforms, which most everyday businesses just can't build for themselves and maintain and all the costs associated around that. Yeah, uh, amazing. Thank you so much for all of that. Um, so we've, we've come off on time, so we're going to leave it there. Excellent. If that's right. Uh, you're great you are incredible you are absolutely incredible and so well done for for building this business and uh, and i hope it lasts for a very long time i'd i'd really like to say thank you to the team because we have an amazing team that have really this is all down to them and and the incredible energy that they bring every day and also if anyone else is listening that has helped me along the way whether it was meeting us at a networking event and doing an intro to to bigger things than that also just thank you because we honestly wouldn't be doing any of this stuff without every single one of those steps along the journey this is a it's a really positive message yeah thank you for for adding that as well Good. Okay. Well, thank you again. Um, so Thanks, Alex. no worries. Uh, to my listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, stay in touch with the show uh, via my socials at Alex Branson on both Twitter and Instagram. Also a shout out to the incredible audio assassins who have provided music branding for the show. Link in the show notes. I'm also going to put some links to, to Superpass and to Juliana, her, her socials, and, uh, and you can uh, get in touch with them through that. So thank you again. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks.